he was an amazing, what they call impulsador, the impulser. He started so many people on the path. Um, he just had an amazing charisma to inspire people. Um, I happened to have the, I don't know what you'd say, honor, fortune, whatever, to be there in his last days. Uh, in 2012, he'd organized a big celebration for the 30th anniversary of the, of the dance in Mexico. He had a hall rented. He had a cater. He had sent out over 300 invitations to all kinds of dignitaries and people that had been part of the movement many, many years ago. And then um, when I was with him in June, again of 2012, he announced he was going to get married. We were all kind of, whoa. <laughs> they said he was going to get married at the Sundance um, right before the, this big celebration that was going to be partly a wedding celebration. And uh, he was going to surprise Susanna, his fiance. Well, she didn't even know she was fiance, but his girlfriend at the time. And I said, "Well, maybe you better ask her. Maybe <laughs> a good idea to ask her first before you make a big public announcement." Uh, so when I got down to the dance, our dance is always the last weekend in July. When I got down there uh, a few days before the dance, um, he, he told me that. He had asked her, and yes, they were going to get married. In uh, Mexico, it's in that area of Teotihuacan, it's not legal to cut trees. So they had to be very surreptitious to get a Sundance tree and find somebody that's willing to give one up and make a deal with the landowner and often cut it in the middle of the night. Um, well, first of all, um, when we arrived there, he sent all the other dancers up the hill to get ready for the dance. Ours is in on the side of Cerro Gordo, this beautiful mountain overlooking the pyramids, but it's a long walk up the hill, a good hour and a half, two hours, if you're carrying a backpack, up this quite steep hill. But he sent them up and told me to stay behind a little project for me, and the hall that he had rented to have the big celebration had no lights or uh, electricity hookup yet, and he had these bands already booked he had it was going to be partly at night so he'd bought a generator and said well i have a little project for you and with clock ale i knew when he had a little project it was always going to be a humdinger so it was to <laughs> wire the building for lights and sound so they could the bands could play and people could see because he had they had all these tables set up for 300 people to be there so i said okay and um so we got the building wired. But I could tell he was very tired at that point. But every time he sat down, he closed his eyes and he sort of fell asleep. We went out to um, get some lunch after we finished. And uh, he felt like he fell asleep during the meal. He was very tired, as he always is at that point. Because we'd been in Europe not a month before the dance. So we had a very short amount of time to get ready. And Tlaquiello always was in charge of everything, so it was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure on him. Um, but anyway, so the, the next night, I guess it was, was time to get the tree. And he called up about 10 o'clock at night to have the dancers all come down in the dark, down this very steep path, to come get the tree. He had a tree picked out somewhere. Uh, and we begged him to stay in the house. He was already... Uh, pretty sick with the lung congestion and a cold at that point. 
to beg him to stay home and not to go get the tree. But of course, Tlachiel's will uh, was so strong, he said, no, no, I'm going to go just for a few minutes. I said, well, I don't think you're going to stay a few minutes, but okay, you know, you do what you want. Um, so we went to get the tree, and it took, oh, must have taken a good three hours. We didn't get back to the house till after one in the morning, and he was just exhausted. It was also very cold and damp out, and that was always a big problem for his lungs. So we kind of went downhill from there, and a couple of doctors came out to stay with him, and the next day he told me to go ahead up with the tree and start the dance. He'd be okay, he'd come up in a couple of days. I, was, I wasn't sure, but he just gave me the orders, you know, you go up and start the dance. So uh, we started the first day of the dance in the, I guess it was the second round, I think. Lightning struck the Sundance tree. Uh, oh. The tree didn't fall, but it struck, there's a whole stripe going down the side of the tree. We were sitting under the, in the rest area, uh, which is this huge, sort of like a circus tent, but not as luxurious as a circus tent. It's a big old blue tarp with these uh, metal posts going up through the middle of it, two big posts, like lightning rods. And this, this, we always get a big storm during the Sundance there. And there was, this lightning was crashing all around, and the rain was pouring down, and then all of a sudden we had this big crash. We looked around, because here we are sitting under this tent with these metal poles between all of us. Um, so we looked around, we were all alive, nobody got hit by lightning or anything. So I went out and looked in the circle, and the, uh, all the stuff that was in the center of the circle was scattered all around the circle. The tree was still standing, but I could see the stripe going down the tree where the lightning had hit it. And we sent word to Lachiel at that point. He was very excited. Um, he always had a strong connection to lightning. In fact, he had been touched by lightning, I think, three times before. So he thought that was a really exciting sign. Um, so we, we finished that day of the dance, and people kept checking, you know, how was he doing? And um, He said he was a little better. He'd be up the next day. And then the next morning, as we were getting ready to go in the circle, they called me out and told me he was very grave and wanted to see me. So I packed up all my stuff and uh, ran down the hill as fast as I could and got to the house and found him lying in bed with Suzanne, Susanna taking care of him. And uh, he was having a very hard time breathing. He was had oxygen, but he kept taking the oxygen off so we could talk more. And he told me at that point that uh, he was going to die that day. He said he was happy. He was going to see his mother again. Um, it was the 26th of July, which is this very auspicious day for him, because that's the anniversary of the founding of Mexico Tenochtitlan and the return of the Four Arrows journey, which another long story. But um, anyway, he was very excited that it was that day, and he was going to see his mother, and he, he said he had no pain. His voice was very weak, and he had to really work to talk because his lungs weren't working very well. But he, he said he was in no pain. And he also said that he got, they got married that morning, knowing he was going to go that day. Uh, they got married that morning. And he told me to take pictures and doing recordings that day because he wanted people to know they shouldn't be afraid of death. You know, we have such a fear of death in our culture.
afraid to talk about it. We're afraid to look at it. A person dies, and they put them in a box and whisk them away, and maybe we get back a little box of ashes or something, or see a casket later. In Mexico, the person actually is laid out often on the kitchen table or somewhere on the floor um, for at least a day where people can actually say goodbye and, and see that they're gone. So anyway, um, so he told me to do recordings and take pictures, and I've got a whole slideshow I've been doing about his passing. Um, so the whole day he spent teaching, talking about the importance of the 26th of July, the uh, Confederation of uh, Nahuac, which went from Nicaragua to the north, um, because that was a different one from Nicaragua to the south, Tawantinsuyo. So we went on and on teaching about that, then talking to each of us about what we're supposed to be doing, giving our, giving us our orders, so to speak, uh, and just spent the whole day talking. He called up many people on the phone and told them he was going to be leaving that day. Kind of opposite of what you usually expect. You know, usually people say, no, I'm fine. Um, I've heard nobody else announced they were going to die that day. Um, but that was kind of his style. I don't think he planned it ahead. I don't think he knew he was going to die um, at some point before that. But I think he finally said, okay, I've completed my mission. Um, I can go now. And they, and they wow. like I said, they just had gotten married that morning. So um, the Sundancers all came down in small groups. He didn't want to stop the dance, but he said some could come down now and then. And a bunch group came down after the end of the dance that day and were singing down below. I've got this wonderful recording of it. Uh, the uh, Sundancers singing the Sundance songs and drumming right down below in the room below him. He was very happy about that. Um, then he asked for just five of us to come in with him. Um, and so we spent the last hour or two with him, I guess. Um, and like I said, he was, he gave us each our orders and, and told us all to keep working with each other and, and don't let the petty stuff get in the way, which is important. And talked about how Forget how it would be say exactly something about now he's going to reintegrate with the cosmos. I think that's how he put it. Um, and he said, "Go ahead and you know f keep the dance going. Don't stop the dance, and have a celebration. It's okay to make it a bit of a funeral, but make it a happy one." And just before eight o'clock that night, I think it was seven fifty-seven on the twenty-sixth of July, twenty twelve. Um, he went through a period where he was kind of like shaking off the body. I don't know if you've been with people who were passing, but sometimes they go through a period where they kind of shake a lot. and um, It's like, like a uh, snake shedding its skin or a um, butterfly coming out of its cocoon, maybe. And then he got very quiet, and, and it just went. So we, of course, we were both happy for him and grieving at the same time. And then we brought him out to the other room and laid him on the floor, and women started bringing flowers in, made this beautiful four colors uh, circle of flowers. And then people started, who he'd called, started coming, arriving as fast as they could. And then the next day we 
um, take, took them to the crematory. In Mexico, when, when there's a cremation, the family goes with the body and waits while they're being cremated. In our country, you know, it's all kind of behind the scenes and taken out of our hands. Um, and normally they don't allow people to to, uh, to witness the cremation at all, even in Mexico. But one of the guys, Don Beto, knew the owner of the crematory, and they got talking about tradition and that sort of thing, and he allowed four of us to go in the back and put Palacio in the oven. But when we took him out back, he left the door open, and everybody else came out. <laughs> and uh, we're singing and dancing. And, yeah, I don't know if you've seen the what they call Aztec dancing now. But the whole time he was being cremated in the oven right behind us, um, people were singing and dancing and just sitting in little circles talking. And It was the most beautiful day. It's never There's never a really clear sky there because of all the pollution and all, but the sky was this beautiful blue sky with wisps of clouds, uh, a little bit of showers now and then. And someone went out and got some food and some soda and... And we brought the ashes, but when they were finished, we brought the ashes back. And one, he asked for his ashes to be divided in three parts: one to go with his mother's ashes at his sister's house, one part to go up to the to be put in the Sundance Circle, and one part to go to Serpent Mountain, where he did his, his I guess you'd say, his forty-day vision quest or his, his uh, hermitude. What really started him on the on the on the road many many years ago. So they did that, and then the next day, we, the dancers, everybody came down from the dance and got changed and cleaned up as best they could, and we had the celebration. And instead of 300, there were about 450 people there. But the lights worked, the, the sound system worked, and um, it was just this beautiful celebration. It was partly a funeral, partly a celebration of the 30th anniversary of the dance, and partly a wedding reception. Susanna was there in her wedding dress, she was the most amazing person, you know. She was grieving in a way, but she had tremendous grace and dignity and was just so happy that uh, they could have gotten married and happy to be a part of his life. Um, it's quite an amazing story. At some point, I'm going to get it. Um, oh, that's amazing. To a amazing video story. or a book or some or both, yeah. Um, but, you know, life and death are just two sides of a coin. We're here in this world for a while and then we're somewhere else. I don't really know where we go, but I know I've been around enough in life to know that there's certainly a lot more than we see. And life doesn't just stop. With I've been in ceremonies where just amazing things have happened and, uh, and simple things too. Enough to know that, that life doesn't end it when the body stops functioning. That it's just one. This is just one little phase of life. <laughs>